Hello, this is Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Thanks so much for listening today. We have Kaylee O'Keefe lined up for today's show. In just a moment, she will be with us and share her story, what she's up to and what she's doing. Remember that you can find us on Facebook. You can also email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. In just a moment, Kaylee will be with us. This is Heartstock. This land was made for you and me. As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw the this is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and today our guest is Kaylee O'Keefe. And she is the founder and CEO of Soul Excellent Ventures. Hi, Kaylee. Hi, Carol. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Mm, thank you so much for being our guest on Heartstock. What do you do there at Soul Excellent Ventures, Kaylee? Yeah, it's it's a great question. So, so Soul Excellence Ventures is a company that helps corporate executives and entrepreneurs express their true selves through multi-author books and solo books. So at our core, we are a publishing company designed to help corporate execs like let loose a little bit, like let their true colors show and express inspirational messages out into the world. Uh, so I feel like very aligned with Heartstock Radio, working with soul-centered leaders to, uh, to inspire. Oftentimes, when we think of executives and entrepreneurs, we think of um, kind of brainiacs or um, mind-centered individuals. Mm. And um, I'm I'm really hoping that we can delve into this the aspect of in the the concept of really tapping into your heart. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I would actually just Carol, just to yes. to make a little note on on that. You know, I just worked with twenty five leaders to each write a chapter in a book called "Leading Through the Pandemic: Unconventional Wisdom from Heartfelt Leaders." And you know what happened during the writing process as I guided them through it was you really see the shift of okay, how do you go get out of your brain and actually get out of all the self censorship that one does <laughs> as a leader. And drop back into your heart, drop back into the feeling and expressing from that place. So it's so interesting that you say that because as leaders, you know, we want to go facts, we want to go figures, we want to tell, we want to command, we want to, you know, direct, but making that shift to really connect so that a person can feel a message and decide for themselves how they're going to respond is a hundred percent of, you know, the work that, that I do and that, that leaders do who, who are able to write and, uh, and share their stories so well. And how about you, Kaylee? How did you tap into your heart? Um, <laughs> when did that happen? Is this something that goes way back to childhood, or oh, oh, what was your? Oh, aha I feel moment? like I, yeah, I feel like I have a story that many have, where it's like, as a child, you feel so connected to your heart, to your creativity, to just like your love of life, and then you go through life, and you're like, wait, I'm a high achiever. Like, I need to do all these things and follow the path, and like, I absolutely did that. And then just over the last, I would say six years has been this reconnection process, this reintegration process to saying, okay, how do we move from head to heart? And in doing so, 
how do I determine what I care about and what I want to do and the impact that I want to have in the world? So it's, you know, absolutely the story of soul excellence. Like I'll take you back to fifth grade. My family had moved from Massachusetts down to South Florida. And uh, my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Tomich, he had something called the excellence book. And the excellence book was a book that you would sign if you got, you know, one of the best grades in the class, if you had good attendance, if you were on the playground and lined up when he was ready to go inside. But you also signed the book for things like helping another student read, being a leader in you know, a, a book report project, like whatever. And so when he laid out the task for the year of like, you know, the goal is to sign the excellence book as many times as possible. Like Carol, <laughs> I was on a mission, you know, like <laughs> I wanted to sign that excellence book. Yes. And, you know, and I did, you know, and I signed it the most times. And what I, what was really special about that is because it wasn't just like achievement, it was also about your character and behavior and interaction with others in the class. Like it did plant this seed of like, Ooh, I want to, you know, I have these talents. I have these gifts I want to achieve, but I want to do it in a way that feels really good. So that happened then. and you know, flash forward, it's like, you kind of forget that lesson. You know, you go to high school. It's like, I, I was very, you know, academic and, and, and an athlete and a student, you know, I did all of the things I went to Duke for undergrad, you know, got an executive MBA. But during that period, like I totally, I was, I lost my way. You know, the things that I started to care about were very much like reputation, just getting the next promotion, pleasing everyone inside the company, And, you know, during that period of time is when, you know, my health suffered. I did fall into a depression. I, you know, looking back at pictures and like 30 pounds heavier and just like you see in my eyes, like there's no life there. And, you know, I had this wake up call about six years ago where I'm like, okay, I've got to get clear. (laughs) Like this does not feel good. And I've ticked all the boxes. I've achieved all the things, you know, and like, why do I not feel whole? And so I've really been on a journey to, you know, through spiritual practices, through, you know, what I read, how I behave uh, to connect back into heart. And it's what inspired actually the whole mission of Soul Excellence Ventures is how do I help other corporate leaders who've maybe forgotten that inner child, forgotten that sense of wonderment to, to express that part of themselves? Because I know how important it is when you start to do that, how you're able to show up and inspire and be a better leader because of that connection. So it's, it's been a long journey, <laughs> but I also feel like it's just the start of the next one here with Soul Excellence. Indeedy. And did you have any influencers? Was there somebody in particular that really helped you reconnect and find a, a, a more fulfilling path for yourself mm. and hopefully others too? Yeah, about it's almost three years ago now. I had just uh, had this massive achievement. I was working at an early tech startup out in San Francisco. And I, you know, we were 20 people at the time. We had no contracts, like people were paying us by transactions. And over the course of like nine months, I led the effort to close our first, our first ever big contract. You know, it was a huge win. It was $4 million. It doubled our, you know, annual revenue overnight. Like it should have been this like, really amazing accomplishment. And I felt so depleted. I felt like, what is this all for? Like, it just, it didn't feel good to me, even though it was really important for, for the company. And I was proud of the team. And from that moment, I decided like, I just got to go, I got to get away. And I don't know why I Googled Hawaii. I don't know why I Googled (laughs) feminine retreat. Like who knows why these things happen, but 
literally 10 days later, I was at a retreat led by a woman named Cindy Silbert, and it was called Feminine Mastery. And I was just drawn to the concept because, because of the duality, you know, this concept of feminine, but also mastery of almost the, the masculine achievement of understanding what it means to embrace the feminine side in all of us. So I found myself there. I found myself doing a real, my first ever embodiment exercise to go connect back into my body, which is part of connecting back into your heart. And things just started clicking. Like I had so much clarity from this one experience on that retreat. And I, I kind of marked that as the real starting point for soul excellence, because just a few months later, like in a, uh, in just a morning walk and meditation, the concept hit me. I had so much clarity, but I definitely credit Cindy for, for awakening me up beyond just like the mental activities I was doing. You know, I was reading about these concepts, but I definitely wasn't, uh, um, and and that's for sure started this journey. And what a perfect place, Hawaii. That's like the womb <laughs> of Mother Earth. <laughs> uh, like the energy there, of yeah. course, and on Maui. Like it, you know, I I, for, I think it had something to do, you know, with with the awakening that I had on on that experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, where in Hawaii were you? Uh, in Maui. Mother Maui. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Oh, it, was, it was so beautiful. Uh, I miss travel so much. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've as, just as, these last couple of weeks, I've really been noticing it's coming up a lot for me, um, be, being a bit of a gypsy at heart. <laughs> yeah. So what it, what is the mission of your company? I mean, you, you've touched on that mm-hmm. some, but I, I was hoping before we go to break here in, in just a couple of yeah. minutes that you can really dive a little deeper into that. Yeah. So the overall mission is to amplify the voices of courageous leaders. And, you know, I'm pretty tapped into, you know, as much as I'm tapped into like self, body, spirit, you know, I also feel like I have a big role to play in the culture and what I see happening in the culture. And so I just feel that the bounds of discourse have gotten so tight that the desire for thoughtful, engaged conversation is almost non-existent, and that individuals' ability to express their true selves is being you know, shot down left and right through the culture that we've created. So my mission is to really work against those forces by giving people the space to express and to engage, and specifically to work with conscious leaders, because I want that to be the example for where we're headed as a country and, and as, a, as humanity at large. Let's talk just a little bit more about where we find ourselves and some of the, the pitfalls that society is re- starting to recognize as far as the influences of social media and how that mm-hmm. both has some positive, of course, but um, some real negative impact too. How, how is that kind of, uh, yeah, contributing to the whole soul-sucking environment. (laughs) Well, um, as you say, like there's, there are some great parts, you know, our ability to connect and find each other like that, that is special. But I think the challenge, and that's really accelerated this year as everyone spent more time online is, is recognizing that more often we, what's happening online is it, it translates into our human soul. And so the more that we act online as an avatar, as if what we say and do there doesn't matter, 
the more it actually influences our heart, our mind, our soul, how we think about ourselves, how we think about the world. And so what I really believe is through deep thought, reflection, writing, like people can come to a much deeper understanding of themselves and others than in these short quips and barbs and hot takes that we see happening on social media. Um, but I think we're, you know, we're up against a big force <laughs> and, um, you know, it really takes each individual turning inward and saying, does this feel good? And how do I want to show up and participate? And what am I really here to do? Am I really here to be online, either being, you know, being the victim, acting like a victim, looking for attention, yelling at other people, putting people down, like, that doesn't feel good. And we know in our hearts that it doesn't feel good. So I, um, I want to be a, a force in the world that, that starts to inspire us to, to take a breath, to realize like none of this, like a lot of that stuff's just not important. Who we are, how we want to live, our values, our preferences, what we care about, that's what's important. You mentioned that early on as a child, you recalled having that connection to your heart. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about maybe why that was? Do you feel like there were that's just inherently who children are? <laughs> or was there something that really fostered that in you and helped you recognize it later on too when you when you returned to that and mm. tapped into it? Oh, I love this question. I think it's inherent to who each of us is. I also believe that you know, for me, for my personality, for, you know, my connection to God, like it was so close back then. And the most beautiful way I can really express it is my grandma. She has, I think, 24 grandkids, lots of great grandkids. Now, every year at Christmas, she sends each of her grandkids $25 in $1 bills. So you get a little envelope and a picture that she has of you, you know, from the archives. Mm-hmm. And, and about four, maybe five years ago, she sent me a picture, me at about six years old. I'm in Maine, uh, where she lives in the summer. So I'm in Maine. I have a sweatshirt, a homemade sweatshirt on with ballerina slippers on it. I have a troll, you know, one of those trolls with like the blue hair mm-hmm. sticking out of my pocket. And my, my fists are on my hips and I'm standing in this really proud stance, huge smile, you know, this artistic sweatshirt, the troll here, a colorful scrunchie, like in my favorite place in the world, Maine. And when she sent me that picture, like I just broke because I saw in that picture, the girl who I had been, (laughs) the girl who I was deep down. And I just like, I don't think she even knows. I mean, I told her, but I've never really expressed to her like how powerful seeing that picture was as a reminder of who I am. And I think we all have that picture of like, oh, that's the spirit. That's the energy. Let me tap back into that. And to tap back into it actually just means like releasing a lot of the, you know, the thing, the walls that we put up around ourselves, what we think is acceptable and not the expectation, like releasing that to let that person shine again. So that was um oof, that that photo really um opened my eyes mm. that's beautiful and um we're gonna take a our midway point break here in perfect timing and we will be right back with kaylee o'keefe this is heart stock thanks for listening uh, 
Welcome back to Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and Clark Grant is in the studio. Today, we are speaking already with Kaylee O'Keefe, and we're, we're traveling from our heads <laughs> to our hearts. <laughs> and not really something that necessarily you would associate with a, a business talk show. But um, I'm hoping, Kaylee, that we can dive more deeply into this. Why is yeah. it important? Why is it important that these incredible leaders that uh, you're working with be tapped into their hearts? Mm. So the heart is the source of connection. It's also the source of deep wisdom. Like our brains can get caught in loops and in thought patterns and and just make the same mistakes, make the same bad decisions, see things, you know, just in terms of past patterns and, and not opened up to the future. So I believe that heart-centered and soul-centered leaders, they they are the leaders of the future because it's from that heart and from that connection that you see possibilities, that you see people as individuals and not as the collective, and that you're able to inspire, connect, and create things that don't even exist in the world today. So, you know, from a pure business standpoint, for the sake of innovation, for growing revenue, for seizing new opportunities, like that all happens when you connect into your heart. Like you don't leave that behind and just go become a hermit and say like, I'm a heart-centered leader. Like, no, you have to be out in the world. But when you do so from this place, what you're able to achieve and in the speed that you achieve it and with like, I mean, outcomes that you couldn't even imagine that happen as a result of being tapped in. I mean, that's where the real, you know, for the the very ROI among us, like that's where the magic is too. It's not just who we become in this process, but also what we're able to achieve. And what an opportunity COVID has presented mm-hmm. for us. Let's talk about that. What's your take on COVID and how we can use these very challenging times to be better leaders? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh, so, I mean, COVID has brought so many things to light for us. We've seen um, pretty bad leadership. We see people, you know, seriously suffering this past year as whole swaths of the economy have been locked down without recourse. So it's it's been a it's been actually a pretty sad time to 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 kind of watch and witness like how leaders have ha- have really amplified the problem, and we could have solved it in in, in better ways. But as far as heart-centered leadership goes, like it's absolutely awakened and accelerated the journey that many people are on. And so it's created the space for heart and soul-centered leaders who've always been out there, <laughs> but may not have been fully expressed or may not have been turned to as much for guidance and advice. Like this past year to me is the year of those people stepping up and showing the way and saying, I'm willing to transform myself first and not, you know, sit in constant complain and blame and pain and all of the, like, I'm willing to transform how I think and how I feel first to show the way for others. So I feel like this past year has made a lot of things crystal clear. And one of those things is that there is absolutely a need for more leadership, but specifically heart and soul centered leadership in our world today. Yeah, and you you said something there that really 
snatched my attention there. Bad mm-hmm. leadership. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems that, like you said, so many, we could have had much better outcomes. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe talk about that? In your opinion, or maybe in, um, do we have any research that shows us what is a good leader versus a bad leader? And, and how can mm-hmm. we regulate this? I mean, we have all kinds of personalities coming onto the scene <laughs> um, saying, you know, this way. And, and then another personality mm-hmm. says, no, not that way, this way. How do we know? How do we differentiate and discern? Mm. Uh, um, I, I think what you just said at the end there is is a really good way to discern where I feel like the best leaders among us right now are not necessarily saying, do things this way, do exactly as I say, uh, because clearly, I mean, we've seen endless hypocrisy this past year of you don't travel, but I will. <laughs> you stay home, but I'm going to this restaurant. Like, so the the do things this way model, I just, I, I think we saw so many examples of it not working. So if you're thinking of like, okay, who do I trust? Who do I want to lead me? I feel like it's the leaders out there who are asking the questions that get you to think of like, okay, wait, how do, how do I make the best decision for myself, for my family? How do I inform myself in a way that's not just preying on my emotions, but actually encouraging me to go deeper? How does a leader help me to say, okay, let's pause, take a deep breath. Here is a vision for the future that we can buy into. So I think the like do things this way versus here's a vision and then inspiring each of us to see, okay, how does that play out in our own lives? To me, that's the distinction. And I just feel we saw we saw a lot of examples of the do things this way, but I'm going to be over here doing things my own way, which I mean, you lose all credibility in that model. And how about the stories of the leaders in your most recent book? Are there any that you can share with us that are particularly interesting and inspiring? Gosh, I mean, this this book really has something for every leader out there because we have, you know, men and women from across the world, each at various stages in their career and each experiencing, you know, really a different impact from what's happened over the last year. Two, two really sent out for me. I'm thinking of uh, Tina Gravel's story. She's the SVP of channels at a company called AppGate. And for her, like I'm sure a lot of your listeners, as a leader, her life for the last 20 years has been the life of a road warrior, you know, running around, high flying, first class meetings, you know, going to places, like being out with her team, running to the next thing. Like it was go, 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 go. And this year when everything was grounded, I mean, for those first two months, this, this woman, as she shares in her story, fell into a deep depression. And her journey of coming out of that, seeing herself in a new way, realizing how she relates with her team actually has had, had never been great and really suffered through her, the way she was operating before. How she now leads that team now, like I feel like it's, it's such a relatable story for, for those out there who've been go, go, go for multiple decades and their health has really suffered and they hadn't even realized it. So I, I love her story. And I also love the story of Marissa Snow. She is the director of communications for SkyWest Airlines. And so to be in the airline industry and experience, you know, for her, this was, you know, actually 
so different and much more challenging than what happened after 9-11 in the industry. And her story of, you know, being, you know, 24-7, go, 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 dealing with communications issues, and then coming home and, you know, having the, the nanny working with her daughter on a homework assignment and completely messing it up. And her vulnerability to share that and just like the breakdown that she had in that moment of like, the guilt that she felt for not being there for her daughter, but also, you know, the, the pride that she felt of the work that she was doing, the frustration with the nanny, like it's such a relatable story for so many, you know, parents out there this year who were leading and homeschooling and, you know, relying on friends, family and nannies. And like her expression of like what that moment meant and how it's informed her as a leader is just another really clear example of the difference between this do as I say leadership versus like, let me connect with you on a real human level. And if my words inspire you, you know, so be it. So I, I love those two chapters. And what lays ahead? What does the future hold for your company? Yeah. So in, you know, the company is only a year old. I started it after 12 years in corporate consulting and uh, an early stage tech startups. And I just knew I wanted to follow my heart to build something really special. So in 2021 and year two, what it looks like is publishing more multi-author books to make it easy for super busy leaders to express from their hearts. So the next one uh, that we have coming out is called Significant Women, Leaders Reveal What Matters Most. So that's going to really be about women giving each other permission to make career and life choices based on their values. Uh, So something I care about. We'll have about two more books along the way. And then beyond that, you know, now that I've worked with a bunch of leaders, like they've got the writing and expression bug. uh, So we'll be expanding into helping leaders with their solo books and also offering, you know, full service ghostwriting opportunities for leaders who who want to have that experience too. So it's going to be a lot more expression uh, from the heart from leaders across the globe in those three various formats in 2021. In this little tidbit, um, I'm very curious about, you mentioned um, that you had the experience of walking the way of St. James pilgrimage. What is that? And Mm. how did that influence what you're doing currently? Oh my God, it's such a huge influence. So the way of St. James or the Camino de Santiago is a series of um, pilgrimage routes, mostly throughout Spain and Portugal that lead to Santiago de Compostela, which is a city where more like legend has it, the bones of St. James are buried. I first came across it when I was studying abroad in Madrid and I just I fell in love with the concepts. Like I love the idea of pilgrimage, of walking, of turning inward. And so um, I've actually walked two different routes on two different occasions. And, you know, you just have your, your 20 pound bag and your hiking shoes. And every day it's just 15 to 20 miles through beautiful, beautiful mountains and coastlines. And what's really special about it is while you're walking the way solo, you're connecting with other pilgrims along the way. You know, you're meeting up for lunch, you're making friends for a day, you're moving on. And that experience for me of being able to to reflect on who am I? What is my mission? What does it mean to be out in nature? You know, no phone, no music, no anything was super special. But then having those little connection moments with others you know, it made me realize that when we're walking a certain way, when we're all turning inward and reflecting on who we are and what we desire in the world, 
we actually open ourselves up to meet really incredible people along the way who are going down their own path, but it's one that has similar constructs and curves and turns, et cetera. So yeah, what a beautiful experience. And it's something that like I plan to do at least every decade in my life. So I'm, I've done two so far. <laughs> Was this organized by a group or an organization? Uh, you know, what's the historical reference here? Yeah, so I think the actual pilgrim, I mean, the, the true pilgrimage dates back, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of years, you know, and it has a true like religious connotation. Um, more recently, there are groups that organize, I think, people going. But for me, I was, I think I was 25 on my first one. Like, I just knew I wanted to do it, got my stuff, <laughs> got a got a guidebook, you know, flew to Madrid, flew to Asturias, like in the north and just started trekking. So, um, for me, it's, it's been a solo journey, but it's, it's truly something for like any age, any ability and like any level of planning. If you don't want to plan and want someone to do it, or you do just want to show up and have the experience, it's, uh, it's certainly, you know, available for all and an experience I would highly recommend. And in about our, our last half minute here, Kaylee, how can folks find you? Yeah, the best way is to visit my website, which is just uh, KayleeO'Keefe.com. And uh, K-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H is the spelling of Kaylee. Thank you so much for sharing your story on Heartstock. Thank you, Carol. It's, it's really been fun. You brought up a lot of memories that I enjoyed reflecting on. I appreciate it. And, and you've inspired me a great deal. This is Heartstock, and we shall be back next week. See you then. Peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. As I went saw a sign there, and on the sign it said, no